This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I host Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over a very difficult week at Manchester United yet again. Also joined by um, Dave Murphy in the in the lower reaches. <laughs> no, not in the podcast in general. I'm talking about if you're watching it on, on the video, you've seen him on the bottom part. There's Dave, lower reaches of life. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Wayne. Not bad at all, uh, mate. Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to drag myself up from the lower reaches of podcasting. So hopefully I'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah, I've not given you the best billing there. I'm, I'm not really giving us as a podcast the best billing. We, we picked Dave up from the lower reaches of podcasting to join us on Monday morning. Class to join up a little bit. Uh, much too cheery for the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today. So if you're watching live on YouTube uh, or Facebook, well, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to subscribe and, and like the video and get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, Say hello and comment. We do reply to the comments that we get on the replays. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review, please, on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Brighton, Manchester United 1, Brighton 3. As we were, or I was, concerned about last week after my big build of Brighton, they absolutely wiped the floor with with his old Trafford. Yeah, all right. We've got a bit of an injury crisis. I did sort of bring up the subject on on last week's pod about a possible change of formation, and that's what we went with. Uh, but Brighton were missing a few players themselves, so it's not excuse, no excuse for the manner of the defeat. Um, it seemed to work, actually. The formation change we went to a diamond. It seemed to work for the first 20 minutes. But then they adapted to what they saw. We did not adapt to what we saw in their adaptation. Um, started pulling Ericsson and McTominay in particular out of position. I'm sure we've all seen the video of the dump pin McTominay in the best light, um, unfortunately. Um, but they took advantage of that and they, they made hay while the sun shone at Old Trafford and they scored three goals. Uh, it looked at one point like we were just stopping tracking their runners. And you, know, you watch a Brighton team, you watch a Brighton game, you see the fluidity of their team, you see... Um, the way that they move, especially if you're watching a game live, like I know, like this isn't a dig at people who don't go live, but sometimes if you watch a game live and you see the full picture, you see how they're moving as a, as a 10 outfield, and then you see the way that United weren't moving. I mean, they do move, but there's a static and there's a pedestrian nature by the way that Brighton were moving, moving for each other. Uh, you can compensate for a lack of quality with work rate and with Brighton. You have to employ that as a minimum, especially this Brighton team. And we didn't do that. We paid the consequence. And Paul is no other way to say it. Brighton played us off the pitch at Old Trafford comprehensively. 
Yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think it would have surprised a lot of people there who actually went to the game and the ones who didn't go. I don't think there was many people. I can't I can't believe there would be that many who were confident of United going going up against Brighton. To be perfectly honest, the way they've been playing, the form has been poor. Um, I think you have to look at maybe Arsenal might have been the better performance so far this season. You're looking for individuals. There's no there's no individuals I'm picking out at this moment in time. There's question marks. I would say against 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 everyone really the way they've been. But when you what you're just talking about there, and if you do your homework with Manchester United, they've got a manager who demands a lot. But the problem is his demands are not it's not really transferring to into the players because there's certain players who who haven't really. Well, there is one one player, in my opinion, who hasn't really got what you should have if if you're a professional sportsman, and that is the willingness and the want to work hard. And I think that was shown at the at the weekend about it. I think it kind of come out in one of the goals, and I think it was the first goal when it came out. Is the willingness to track back, as you mentioned, the word tracking back, and Marcus Rashford doesn't track back. Marcus Rashford. Has he ever nicked the ball off of anyone's toes? Has he ever given a foul away trying to win the ball back, maybe when he's lost it? He hasn't. He hasn't. And when you look at it, um, he's done what he done last season. He scored those goals. Has he shown anything this season? To His way of saying thank you to everybody for giving me what I've got from that brand new contract. The answer to that is no. And it's only a few games, as people will say, but... I don't, I really, it's moment in time not seeing him being able to step forward. And the only way he can only get himself out of this position is to go and score goals because that's, that's what, that's, that it is really only, I mean, it's a great skill to have if you can put the ball in the back of the net. But sometimes you have to give more when you aren't putting the ball in the back of the net. And he's not, he is not doing that. He is not doing that. I don't really care that he had, a good, you know, everyone when you see people, oh, he played well against Scotland because for me, you, you don't hold that in the bank and say that's a good thing. Playing well against Scotland doesn't mean anything in no. that sense. But when it, you, you give everything to your club and he doesn't do that to me, I wasn't one of those people who, who would have been pleased or jumping up and down that United gave him a new contract because I would have turned around and said, well, you're doing what you should have been doing over the previous seasons. Let's see what you do now. Let's see if you can replicate it. Because what makes you a good player and even going beyond that, a great player, is consistency. And he has none of that, hasn't got that in his game. Without a goal, as I've said many times to you, Wayne, you, you look at it and it, if he scores a goal, it covers over massive cracks. And if you look at the weekend, oof, you see him walking, absolutely walking with people in front of him with the ball, not even changing pace to just to threaten them. And mm. Ten Hag is is allowing it. He must be allowing it because Marcus Rashford will play in the next game. Many managers will turn around because they'll go off the back of the, of the players. I mm. mean, let's put it this way. Um, if I use the word back in the day when, you know, it makes me sound you have to blow dust off of me. If I wasn't work, working hard, the biggest rollicking, the rollicking that would affect me the most would come from my teammates. If they said virtually that I was cheating, that would hurt me. Really, really hurt me. My manager could call me that, but I, you know, you can move on. 
But as a player, if you're being called out by your teammates, wherever you move on, your teammates have got mates at other clubs and it gets found out in the end. So he needs, he really does need to look at his game and ask himself. And people should be asking him, the managers should be asking him. He's not given enough. And he's just one of them, but he is the main culprit at this moment in time. He's still living off of last season. People still talk about last season, Wayne. Yeah. No, I, you know what? Um, I'm not going to argue with the off-the-ball stuff. I mean, Bob makes a, a fair comment. He plays like an 18-year-old in terms of football IQ, knowing when to pass, knowing when to look up. And yeah, I suppose everyone's seen the viral replay of the the shot instead of the cross to Hoyland. I thought for the first 25 minutes, in fact, most of the first half, like on the ball, he looked quite electric, but then off the ball was deeply concerning. And then when United are struggling, um, the the performance level changes, you know, and, and what he's trying to do, you know, he's trying to do things that don't come naturally to him. And I think that's that's a problem, you know, on the ball and off the ball. And yeah, the biggest problem if you lose to Brighton in the way that we did is what you do off the ball. And Dave, I mean, that's yeah, Rashford's one player culpable, McTominay another, kind of worrying that their products of you know United's academy line, so they should be used to that minimum demand against any team, but especially against Brighton. Um, that was, it was a concerning performance, wasn't it? I mean, that's put them mildly. Um... I mean, I've been banging a drum for Marcus Rashford for a while now. I, I mean, he, he's, by all intents and purposes, he, he has come out and said that yeah, his centre-forward position is not his most favourable because it doesn't get him involved in the game enough. Um, so he's been out on the wing for a couple of seasons now. Uh, so he, he can't even do the basics of a winger. I mean, it, it is quite alarming that a professional footballer of his calibre, an English international, has been to World Cups. He's... He's played in the Champions League. He, I mean, for him to not know when to pass a ball at this stage in his career is very, very alarming. And that's what lets him down the most. And um, The tracking back is a problem. Um, I'm not sure we're ever going to be able to change that. But he's, he's, he's been put out on the wing because that's seemingly his preferred position. But yet every time he gets the ball, he just heads straight for the centre, you know, the centre of the box. And it's very alarming. And... And that that um that shot which should have been a pass sums up Marcus Rashford right now. He's he's still confused in his head what he's supposed to be doing, which is which is really disappointing considering how long he's been out there. Um, on I mean I, I do agree the first 20, 25 minutes I thought we played well. <clears throat> I thought we had a good grip on the game, and then you know they go and they go and score. Um, but one of the most alarming aspects of of the game on on <clears throat> Saturday was that. For their second goal, uh, I counted, I think it was 30 passes. They had the ball for a minute and 40 seconds. A minute and 40 seconds at Old Trafford, they had the ball. And to me, it looked like a Friday afternoon, warm down or warm up, whatever you want to call it, before before the game on Saturday. No one no one tackled, no one get injured. Um, and then Martinez getting taken for a hot dog. You know, it was just a minute and 40 seconds. That's all I can say. It, it, it's quite shocking that they they passed the ball back to their centre half, I think, three times during that, that minute and 40 seconds that ball went backwards, and we still didn't put in a tackle. Um, it's alarming. It's alarming. I don't know what we do at this point. 
Uh, that's even before we even talk about the goalkeeper, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But um, the biggest standing thing for me, like I said, was nearly 30 passes, a minute and 40 seconds. That's worse than the 30 passes, if you ask me. We didn't touch the ball until it was in the back of the net. And yeah. I, I don't even know what to do right now. You know, it's it's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. See, it seems, uh, we'll talk about Tenog. We'll talk about Anana a little bit as well. Um, you know, obviously, this, Gary Neville was out talking about the Glazers afterwards. And, look, you know, you can look at the owners. and You know, they've never escaped the spotlight from the supporters. You can look at the manager. We'll talk about Tenog's decisions. But you do have to look at some of the personal, the personal pride of some of the players and the capability to put in performances like that at the first sniff of a season's objectives looking like they're stolen. Um, you know, three defeats from five games. We've been outplayed in every single game, if we're being honest. We've been outplayed at home by Wolves, Forest, and now Brighton. And like, it's starting to feel like there are some massive problems within the squad. Nothing, you know, supporters weren't really aware of. But I think before we knew, you know, it was quality and apathy. You know, it, that's that were the, the two big things. It was a lack of quality in there. Did the players care enough? And um, we were worried that they weren't good enough and they, that they didn't care enough. And I think Tenog, and like, I, look, I'm going to put this out there and say Tenog has addressed much as I, I, you know, in my opinion, as what he can of that so far. So me, maybe you're either left with the worst part of <coughs> being left. Or more from one category than the other, you know, not enough quality or too much apathy. Are they too passive? Is it too many players who aren't good enough? But I look at the way that we're losing games, particularly the way that we're losing games, or the way that we don't dominate games. And I wonder if, and I know this, this sounds like a silly thing to say because people say our oh, players don't care all the time. I'm sure they do care. But I, I wonder if you flip the question a little bit. Does losing hurt these players the way that it should? Because I look back to the last season before we won the title in 93. And I, I just did the numbers before we came on air. Like Paul's first season at United, we lost seven games in all competitions. We lost four in the first 54 games before the three in a row at the end. We lost to Liverpool and West Ham, you know, and we lost the title there. The culture, culture had changed, basically, over that sort of last 10-year period, the, the four or five years that Fergie had been in charge, where we would lose 10 to 15 games a season. It changed the culture where the players didn't like losing anymore. And I look at, you know, 12 defeats last season, 15 defeats the season before that, 12 the year before that, it's not just losing, it's the nature of the defeat, you know they have to have a pride of losing instead of, sometimes it looks like some United players are playing or they want to play just well enough that they're not the worst player on the pitch so they don't get the grief in the forthcoming week and you know, we do have to face the fact that we've been outplayed by every single team that we've played against and it can't be a case of like I said that one of the um, theories I put on the pod last week was Ten Hag maybe he's been a bit too strict. But now I'm, I'm looking and thinking maybe he's not being strict as often as he needed to be because the standards, uh, yeah, all right, you, they have to be carried by the players. And I know basically the answer is that Ten Hag has to 
sort of weather the storm a little bit more and eke out more of this attitude the way that he can. But I, I just wonder, Paul, how can he do it? Because how many hard lines are you going to hit? You, know, you can't bring them back into training again. He did that as an emergency after Brentford and he got the right result. You can't axe the best player again because he did that with Ronaldo and that got a right that got a good result and we moved in the right direction. You know, is it a case of you know a, a big squad call here and putting Rashford on the bench or something? I, I'm not. I don't want to single out players in, in that. So I'm not saying does he put Rashford on the bench. What I'm saying is, what does Tenog do next in order? Because the point isn't. And I think we're all in agreement, Paul. I think you'll agree with this. The point isn't, and we will criticise Tenog later on. I'm going to do it, but the point isn't at this point to to sack the manager and start again. It's would you help the manager next? It's how does the manager deal with this current crisis? How does he turn around the attitude of the players? Because I'm I'm pretty certain that you agree with me that there's a bit of a passive response to losing games of football. They're so used to it. It doesn't even matter, matter the manner in which they lose. And, I mean, it's alarming to see a game like that. To to accept, at some points in the second half, being passed off the park by Brighton, to, because they sort of accept that the praise for Brighton, oh, Brighton are a good football inside, it won't look as bad as that. They've got to have more about them as a Manchester United team, Paul. I mean, how, how does he address fixing a performance like that? It's a struggle. I, I wish I wish I had the answer, but everything at the moment, um, I'd, I look at myself. What was I saying three, four years ago, Wayne? When this, when, when something like this was going on, and I think if you go back, I was mostly saying the same things because when you get there, <clears throat> maybe after when Mourinho, excuse me, now for coughing, Mourinho won the Europa Europa League and he won the League Cup, didn't he? Yeah. And you think that you then you're saying you think right. Here we go. Next season, this is going to happen. That's going to happen, and it just went boom. It went went flat again. And this is just the same thing. Every manager's had the same same problem. Okay, some of them haven't won anything, but when they're you know, it was like women, just like virtually when they were up, they were up, and then when they were down, they were down. And you, it just seems that it, there's always an issue. With always an issue, there's something going on. It seems like it's just it's just keeping the media happy about things, but. Same as anything, is that the manager, he couldn't do what he wanted to do early on. Mostly things were in his head what he wanted to do at the back end of last season. Wasn't allowed to do it. Was Couldn't get the players he wanted at the start of it. He's got players who who are within their rights to stay where they are because they think they're going to get less money where they go somewhere else. They're not, they're not win, they, they can't mentally work hard anymore because it's easy at Manchester United. It's easy just to turn up, go through the motions and get a game of football as well, i.e. Martial. Easy to do. No one's going to question you and then you just walk out and everyone will just carry in as normal. No one's going to call you out in the streets or anything like that because it isn't like that anymore. Things have changed out there where before, a few years back, if, if you was like a, a kind of, say, a you know, one-town team or a, a team with incredible ambitions like Manchester United, team that are set presidents and just this thing about it where you have to be there, you have to succeed or you're a nothing. Those, you know, they've lost their way now. Their, their demands, maybe of some of the supporters, is not as outspoken as it has been over many, many years because they've just now gone, oh, well, 
it's, it's not going to happen anymore. Sir Alex has gone. What's going on? The Glazers have done that. People have just accepted it now that there's going to be people sitting around on great big fat contracts, giving away money for the sake of it because it, it's, it's not their money. And players are comfortable. I don't have to name the players who, who are sitting there on contracts who don't really want to play regular football, don't really want to go somewhere where they'll be pushed hard. They'd rather stay where they're not going to be pushed hard. But if you're a club there where if you can just sit even outside a Champions League position and you can, you know, turn over so much money still and be mediocre, why should you walk away and leave it and let someone else suddenly go there, grab all the, grab, grab what you, they're getting already and then get even more? Because if they make them successful, that means the pot's going to be bigger. But it doesn't have to be that much bigger because they're still getting loads anyway. Great sponsorship deals everywhere. People still come in there to, to, to sit down. And in the end, if you're a footballer, I think you kind of see that going on. You hear the stories, you read it online, people's opinions and all that. And you just kind of go. And I think that's where they are at this moment in time. And how does the manager change it? I think he's got a really, really difficult job. <clears throat> people are having a go. And then where you think about it, April, May, June, majority were loving him for what he'd done. First season wins first season wins a trophy and gets United back in the Champions League. Absolutely perfect. A little bit extra, the cherry on the top, winning a trophy. And now everyone's now talking about he's got to go. And what who else comes in and what what what's the process everyone's got to go through again? I look at Ten Hag and maybe for his own sanity and for maybe about everything about him and what he's got in the bank already. I mean that in the fact of what he's done as a manager, not about money. money. I think maybe if he was to walk away, I think there'd be a majority would go, well, yeah, go and do it. Protect yourself. Don't go, don't go on with this circus anymore. Don't be involved in it. Because all all, all you're doing is just make everything about yourself. You're just putting yourself backwards on what you've achieved to yourself as a manager back in Holland. And your first season in the Premier League proved what's there for you if you're given an opportunity to try and build. And then when someone stops your building, and then all of a sudden everyone wants to have a, everyone wants to have a pop at him. You know, virtually you built you're building it, you're building the house, you build the first floor, you move in, everything's fantastic. You don't build the second floor because people are taking away your finances, and then all of a sudden everyone complains because more people are meant to be on top. And that's what's happened to him. It's been cut off. Everything he wants to do has been cut off. And you can't keep I'm I'm just as bad as anybody. I'm not, you know. I'm a hypocrite in certain ways. One minute I'm there, next minute I'm not. And, and I'm virtually just saying is that you can't carry, can't carry on like this. It's, it's just everything's stage vu again. Yeah. And then, you know, great. And all of a sudden get him, get him in, get this manager in. He's a winner. He's this, he's that. doesn't matter who it, who it is. He's going to have the same problem. So whoever's coming into the jobs going, all I'm going to do virtually is just go in there, do reasonably well, but being manager of Manchester United, will help me further down the line. And that's yeah. and that's what Manchester United give people. They give them a good pat on the back and they give them a little lift from where they want to be next. Someone like Ten Hag, where he is and what he's looking at and he's most saying self, he might be saying to him, I don't really need this. I'm fighting, fighting against people above me and people who are meant to, who are meant to be listening to me don't really want to listen, don't have to listen because they're mostly earning more money than me. So why should they? 
I try and stamp my authority down on things. I tell a player who has done nothing since he's been at this football club. Um, I help him. I send him away, trying to get his head sorted. He comes back, doesn't give me a lot. And then he wants to have a go at me publicly. And the moment I stand up against him, I've got other people sit in a studio and tell me I'm acting like a school teacher. I don't know what school Ed Bon Lahore went to, but I'm sure there was discipline now. So acting so. like a school teacher, acting like a school teacher, telling you, giving you information for you to absorb it, and then for you to then use it to make your game better, to make the team better, and to win games of football. And that's and that's acting like a school teacher. And then the worst of all, you're asking people to be disciplined, and that's what school teachers do as well. But you're not allowed to do that as a manager of men. So these people coming out and saying, saying you know. You know, we're in this world now where we want to soft soap people. And the moment they go crying on social media, got to protect them. It's mental health. Mm. It's just somebody doing a job who doesn't want to do the hard work when it is needed at this moment in time. United need 11 players out in that pitch who are willing, who are willing just to dig and work hard, just to shunt, to do everything that means blue collar. Not sit around in smart gear and just going, well, it will happen in a minute. And that's yeah. the, and that is a big, big problem. Anyway, that yeah. that ended up a little kind of a kind of almost like a Wayne rant, but it was nothing like that at all, because only Wayne can rant. Well, do you know what? It was probably just as good as mine. And that means that we're leaving the, the, the pathway open for Dave to join in. I mean, a comment here from Box saying, Do we need to go the Chelsea way? Not as extreme. Buying many young guys and mould and develop a team together for the long term. But it ties into what I was going to piggyback on on Paul's comment. Really, Paul saying, you know, it's deja vu, and he's he's quite right. He does feel like we've we've been on this road before, and you know, there are, there are too many players who, um, you know, they've been around the block, they've seen this story. You know, they, possibly the consequences for them. Are never quite as significant because they've got the opportunity as some of them being the highest performers from a poor period that they could probably afford to cost or like our opportunity to impress under a new manager and everything. I, and look, I, all the talk of a new manager, I, I think, is massively premature, and, and I, I'm only entertaining it here as a part of like this is the road that we go down um, too too often, and the. the the point of the matter is, Dave, that um, everyone's got to learn. Yeah, all right, so Ten Hag might decide it's too much for him and, and move on. Hopefully, some of the, the building blocks will be in place by, you know, a takeover and things like that. Ten Hag last season, what he did do, he did, he did instill a culture of every game being important. He did that by picking the same team all the time. And, all right, it cost us somewhere in the end because the players picked up injuries through this relentless playing and people got suspensions and it um, revealed the weakness of the squad and we're seeing that already at the start of the season so maybe when we get our full complement back that strong performance will be back so Tenorg has addressed that and the players by coming in have regressed it to the mean um, some of the things that Tenorg isn't in control of the ownership structure, you know, if that changes, then that might obviously help United, United and Ten Hag in, in picking the squad, in, you know, picking a better squad and getting a better squad together might help in terms of making sure that none of these players realise that they're safe. 
like like states Qatar who take over or Sheikh Jassim, not Qatar, for allegedly not state ownership um, purposes. It might be an individual, um, as Richard Sheikh Jassim, come in and, and take ownership. Um, if he does that and the players then no longer have the um, ability to think that they can coast, the club doesn't have the handicap of or the noose of feeling like it's got to qualify for the Champions League. So it, it redresses the balance so that every game does become important because players can't afford to coast between that. Well, if we get in the top four or five, then it doesn't really matter. It is going to start to matter in a more meaningful way. These things, obviously some of those things aren't in Tenog's control. You would have wanted Champions League qualification to be, but you know what I'm saying with this, that there are certain things above him that aren't, or certain things around him that aren't in his control. And once those things come into place, it makes his job a little bit easier. Those are the things that we've never, you know what I mean? We've never had a manager who's been allowed to navigate through this this kind of period all the way through. Do you know what I mean? Like we, Every time we've got to this period, whether it be at the start of the season or throughout the rest of the season, and let's... Um, catastrophize and said that we don't qualify for the Champions League and then you would say all right well Ten Hag will be for the chopping block that's the kind of period that a manager doesn't survive we need it doesn't matter you know like yeah all right whether or not he decides he wants to walk is it another matter altogether but United at this point need to get fully behind him he needs to weather that storm and hopefully all the things above him and around him change so that he's got the best kind of tools around him to weaponize and affect all the changes that we need to see, because that's the only way that it's going to happen, right? That kind of stability and power given to the manager, regardless of of the ownership, really. We, he needs to have all that power to oversee the changes, whether or not he will be able to, because of the financial situation is another thing, which is why I'm saying the ownership structure is, is crucial with that. But the one thing that we haven't tried is completely backing the manager to sort of navigate through all that storm, regardless of the results on the pitch. And United's problem is probably bigger than the result, the individual results on the pitch in order to affect that culture. Am, am I going way too deep into that? Do you think that I've got a point? I've waffled on too long, Dave. Yeah, you, you have waffled on too long, but we'll move on from that. Um, no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, the problems that Manchester United have with the players is, is not just a Manchester United problem. It's 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 a problem in general all across you know across Europe and uh, players just don't care nowadays like they did 10, 15 years ago. And I know we keep harping back to that because they were the good days. But um, I mean, you look at Chelsea, you look at Newcastle. Spent a lot of money in the summer, have a lot of money behind them. Both teams still struggling like Manchester United. Um, it's not a Manchester United problem alone. It's concerning because we support Manchester United. Um, Paul's an ex-player, but it's not. It's not just a Manchester United problem. It's a player problem. It's an attitude problem. Um, these players are. And it, listen, I'll, I'll buy into the little bit about players being paid too much or being paid not paid too much, being paid astronomical amounts of money or being paid way above. But even if you go back to like you know back to when Paul played and and even during the nineties. Football players were very, very well paid in compared to the person in the street. Okay, so if we if we take that if we take that scenario and look at a football player in, a, in the nineties, and we look at a football player today, 
both were paid are being paid a hell of a lot more than like a regular job like a factory worker a guy down the store but the attitude of players in the 90s is it's polar opposite to the attitude of the players that that are on the pitch today and not just in manchester United. i'm talking globally i'm talking about every players have zero loyalty these days to any club and i'll argue that with anybody and once the going gets picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com it's tough as paul said earlier on they just they just don't care they really don't i mean there's certain players that show they don't care um, I mean, I'll, I'll call out Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard, Memphis Depay. I mean, these guys used to be dancing in the dressing room when we got beat. Not acceptable. And it wouldn't have been acceptable in, in Paul's day or even, even all the way up to the early 2000s where the attitude was, and even into the mid-2000s, the attitude was, like you said earlier on, getting beat ruined those players' weekend. Getting beat today, a footballer just, whatever. We, we've we often heard people say that, that one of the biggest changes in football over the past couple of years that ruined football is VAR. And I tend to agree with that somewhat because VAR has been an absolute disaster. But for me, one of the, one of the biggest um, uh, changes in football that has had a huge effect on players' attitude was the fact that players no longer now do any jobs around the club. They don't clean boots. They don't do anything. They don't stay in digs. They're just given so much money right out of the gate that they, they form this bubble from an early age. And if you put them in that bubble from an early age and they do get to the first team, it's rare that a player really, really shows the attitude of someone that wants to be there. And I'm talking, I'm not, like I said, I'm not talking about just Manchester United in general. I'm talking about players in general. The attitude of players nowadays towards playing for any club be it manchester united chelsea newcastle liverpool arsenal it doesn't matter the majority of those players do not care you can see it every week you can see when they get beat they're coming off with their hands over their mouth talking to their buddy on the other team laughing and joking swapping jerseys at half time that's the real problem here and at manchester united we just seem to have a few more than than any other team the only team in the league and this happens at man city but the difference at man city is it's not accepted the player gets sold and then they bring someone they take the hit and they bring someone in for another 50 60 70 million and um, no other club can do that and man city and pep is not a genius for what they're doing it's just that they have the money and you know to bankroll all this to get rid of it. i mean there was a point there where they, they changed goalkeepers two or three times because it just wasn't working they they spent half a billion on defenders because it wasn't working Sometimes when their players have an attitude issue, they're shipped out. Jaden Sancho, I think, was was you know he we were having he they were having problems with him in training, and they were moved on. Um, and then the, he had problems again. At, problems again. I just don't think players and and Ben says they do care. I I they don't. There's a handful of players you could name that probably show they care. Um, Bruno Fernandez is maybe one. Um, I think Martinez. I think he wants to put in a stint. But I don't believe the majority of Premier League and football players in general care whether they win or lose.
That's my honest opinion. And we can keep, I mean, Ben is saying our owners don't care. Most owners don't care, you know. Uh, the Liverpool owners, they didn't care when Klopp was crying about a midfielder and then eventually they were put under so much pressure that they um, forked out 110 and the, the, the bid got with, or the player wouldn't come. And then all of a sudden that 110 million disappeared and they bought in, you know, two relatively unknown players because most clubs don't, most club managers don't care either. It's not just the Glazers that don't care. These are businesses to them. There's none of there's not a single Premier League owner right now that cares what happens on the pitch if it's not affecting the bottom line. And at Manchester United, as Paul said earlier on, they're still rolling in it. We just signed the biggest short sponsorship deal in the world. And we're in we're a club in crisis. Do you think the owners yeah. care? They don't. The biggest problem we have right now is the attitude of players. And it's not just at Manchester United. It's unfortunate that we seem to have a few more than most teams. Um, so, but for me, it's it's a bigger problem. And, and my concern, like I said, when I asked Paul last week, my concern is Ten Hag could walk. And, and Paul even put that under more pressure in my head when he said, um, and this is something I never thought of, when he said, he, if he wants to save his um, his reputation, his reputation would actually go up, you know, Paul said last week, if he quit and said, I'm not accepting this, these standards. And, and I would, and I never thought of that. And that's a bigger problem. That's our biggest mm. problem right now, is Ten Hag walking away. And I just want to make one more point as well, is that, um, you know, we, we do have a few players at the club um, that just won't move on. Um, and unfortunately, we've created that problem ourselves. We really have. We've given them massive contracts. Um, the, player, the club will get rid of a player in a heartbeat. So why should the player just quit for less money? Um, because the club will get rid of them like that. And they wanted to get rid of them. And Manchester United you know, should have paid out these players for their contract and moved them on. So it stinks as well at the top. But it's not just, you know, um, it's not just the owners that stink. It's the players as well. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I see what Ben's saying. And, you know, I've probably said it as well that they don't care. I think the point is that they, they don't care enough in my opinion, where you see, or it doesn't seem like they do, that that if no, in fact, not care, it won't hurt them enough. Is basically what I'm saying. That that kind of defeat, the way that we lost, because if we'd have lost that way under Fergie, and we did once or twice, but if we'd have lost in a way that we were outplayed by, with all due respect, Brian, and don't get me wrong, they can do that to any team in the league. But if we'd have been outplayed under Ferguson. There would have been recriminations, um, significant re recriminations, where you would have probably said one or two players um, might have had the careers on the line. And I, I look, I'll, Ten Hag, like, we should quickly talk about his in-game decisions because we we talked about. I'm, every I'm sorry, year. sorry, I'm sorry to cut you, Wayne, but if you don't mind, I, I like before we move on from that because <clears throat> because you said. If, if if we had got beaten like that in the Fergie days, <clears throat> the manager would have come down hard. I think Ten Hag does come down hard, but I think the biggest problem we have, uh, and Paul mentioned it earlier on, was you know he 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 would feel more hurt by a teammate telling him, "Hey, you're not pulling your weight," than the manager because you expect it from the manager, but it hurts. Yeah. It stings more from a teammate. I mean, so Paul, uh, uh, if you don't mind, I want to ask a question there. Is is that what's needed here? Do you think that the players today, just when they get back into that dressing room, I can't see them having a go at each other the way it would have been under Bergie. I can't see someone like a Brian Robson, a Roy Keane, Eric Cantona, a Schmeichel, you know, 
screaming at the fight. Can you see that in the current dressing room? Other than, you know, Bruno Fernandes, who just complains all the time. But I just don't see other players giving out to other players. I think we have to say, first of all, we are talking about one league. It's not about football. Football is about one league, which is the top division in this country. And maybe it might be a bit in a championship because some have been there, some haven't. If you talk about real football, you're talking Div 1 and 2 and below. And it's a completely different mindset down there. But if we're talking the top, if we're talking the top division, I think we have to say that things have changed in the way the mentality of the player, of footballers have changed in, in, in the sense of um, that their lifestyles now. I mean, you don't go and get those rugged players from before. I just, you know, I can name players that when I was with at Fulham, at QPR, the ones I mentioned at United, you done, you know, your Robsons, your Keens, your Paul Lintz, almost 90% of the team come from generally a working class background. So when you were brought up, you was brought up and first thing in your mind, I want to do something. I want to get out of this. I want to have a go. I want to do that. Now, virtually, it's almost like a lot of them now are middle class. And there's a different different thing in their heads, a mentality. You'll find the parents are more pushy because they see that as a way of kind of getting themselves further up the ladder socially by their sons being professional footballers. Has the, has the son got the has he got the same drive as say what a Paul Ince was? Now I know Paul Ince's background very very well. He's from the same area as me, and it wasn't good. And that and Paul Ince played like someone who was hungry when he played for United. You know, it was absolutely incredible what he done, the way he played. So we are struggling for those kind of players to come through now. Every team, it doesn't matter, it's not, it couldn't be, could be Manchester United, it could be Everton, it could be Burnley. You speak to fans, a lot of them will say, we haven't really got a leader. Leaders are not being made anymore. They, before they happen, they're brought up, you can't make someone, they're brought up to become one. And that's where United have been lucky over the years, over previous seasons, and a lot of teams have. So, Life lifestyle and the big and there's been a big change in lifestyle. If it's not if it's not in the last three years because of what we went through, it was prior to that. So there has been a big change. And for someone to walk in the dressing room now and you've got everyone and seeing players arguing with her, you've done that, you didn't do that, you didn't track back. You you're not going to get that anymore. To be honest, Dave, I've not, you're not going to see that on a regular basis. You might see that one, two, or three if you're lucky, but not everyone going and the manager having to walk in the dressing room and virtually threaten everybody and then call them out for wanting to do it do it then rather than on the pitch. Yeah. The manager um, wanted to see the players having a go at each other, not one person trying to cover his own little tracks up, but actually going at someone because they didn't pull their weight. They never made that effort when they could have done that little bit more. And yeah. and that every team has got... Every team has got that problem within that there's no one, not enough people are outspoken anymore because they're scared of doing it because they're worried the repercussions if they do. That's the way it's become now. Having an opinion is deemed not a good thing to have anymore. So generally like me, when I say something, I say, but that is an opinion. Me and I may be mocking a person who I'm saying it to, but not meaning to, is virtually saying, that's just what I think. It's not having a go or anything. It's just me saying... I think this. And I, you can't do it. You can't do it no more. 
Um, just on that point, before we move on to Tenaga, Ben says you do see it at City, we just aren't at that level anymore. Yeah, but I think City are also a false economy in that they, they can do what they want. They've got too much money in it. If, if you take City out of it, United aren't miles away from challenging for a league title. You know what I mean? With the other teams, they, these would be problems that they just need to be fixed and, and get in the right direction. They're not a million miles away from fixing those problems, but to compete at that level, you need the kind of ownership structure that they've got, unfortunately. Even United are going to need that because, as we've seen over a generation, the turnover of players is so... um, Well, we're not able to manage it in the same way that City are. I will say as well, for balance, uh, not that I'm I'm disagreeing with the points that either of you guys have made. You know, you've got Rashford. Rashford had a bad background or he had a difficult upbringing. You know, it was very tough for him and you know, his tracking back or lack of it is um, more endemic with his style as a player and someone should have sort of coached that into him a little bit more. Maybe that's not giving him more of a, a criticism and I didn't really mean to. And the other side of that is that, you know, we were saying about, you know, Ferguson, like Ben said in the comments, you know, you, you knew there would be a response after after a defeat. I, I do think that Ten Hag has done that, like I said earlier, but there's so many... It's carrot and stick. How many times are you going to use the stick? You seem to be using it all the time. And and also, you get to the point then, you get a squad like this, and when you haven't been able to manage the turnover, and this is what I wanted to come on to today, <coughs> or next, not today, to the next point, um, Martial coming on at the weekend, and, he's, and the manager's in-game decisions. First of all... <coughs> More critical on Tenor, or you might look at the personnel that he had in midfield. We did start with a diamond. Brighton reacted to it. Tenor didn't react to their reaction, and the game was gone by the time he did. Um, and the reaction in the end was to bring off Hoyland. Now, I don't think anyone would massively complain about Hoyland not playing a full game because Tenor likes to bring those players in gradually when they haven't played, you know, to get them up to full speed. But the reaction when he came off, obviously, is that the effort that he put in was very much appreciated by the old Trafford crowd. I don't know if the reaction was partly because of the play that was brought on to replace him in Martial. You know, he started against Arsenal, which was also concerning. Did he? Did he? Martial? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And then, then comes on. I mean, if the answer and then, look, he's had plenty of chances, Martial. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing him here. I'm, I'm looking at the manager at this. You tune them down to Brighton of all teams, who at this point, like you said, they were keeping the ball for upwards of a minute and a half. Is the player you want to be bringing on in that situation, Martial? And and Dave, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I, I guess the point that I, I'm making with this is a year ago, if he'd have brought on Martial in that situation, you might have looked at that and said, oh, he's pointing a finger to the board because he's saying what we're lacking. And then, you know, you go out and buy or you get on loan of Vegos because he's not going to do what you want him to do as a top striker, but he'll do what he want, you want him to do more than what Martial does. And now Vegos isn't on loan and you resort to bringing on Martial Surely, surely, 13, 14, 15 months into the job, 
you've got to have a better solution than that. That it was it was dreadful. You just change the formation again and make it more packed in midfield and compress the mire of the pitch. It was deeply worrying that he brought him on. Um, what, what did you make of Pinard's in-game management on on Saturday? So I felt he was at least somewhat culpable for for the defeat because he didn't react. And yeah, you can blame the players, but we should have responded better than what we did. Yeah, I think one of the, the shining lights from last season was um, Ten Hag's ability to change mid-game and to change things around during the game and get a positive result. Um, the past couple of games, we've seen that that's that's not really happening. Um, and Brighton was a prime example of that. I think the Bulls were more so the fact that disappointment of bringing on Martial for Hoyland rather than taking you know Hoyland off, because I do agree. Um, Ten Hag likes to ease these new signings in. Casemiro was an example. You know, he didn't play for the first couple of games. Then he, you know, he had that that stinker, and then he 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 played him or he brought him on the next game, and then it kind of gradually went from there. <clears throat> but I think I think the Bills are more so to do with the disappointment that we're trying to win this game, we're trying to get something out, and here comes you know probably the laziest player I've ever seen put on a jersey at Manchester United, um, and probably up there as one of the top two or three of laziest players ever. Um, Anthony Martial is not the answer. He really isn't. It's it's soul destroying to see him come on because you get nothing from him. You get absolutely nothing from him. He's so lazy he doesn't even want to move on. You know he really doesn't. Um, it, it is it is concerning uh, because Ten Hag was you know last year I felt that you know one of his key strengths was changing a game. Um, but you know. Not having another option up front is is is. I'm I'm gonna put a bit of this on Ten Hag. I really am. Um, and you and I spoke about this Wayne briefly, but I don't believe a goalkeeper was a priority for Manchester United this season. I really don't. I think David De Gea was one of the best shot stoppers in the world. Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes at the end of last season, but all goalkeepers do. We we basically swapped a, a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper who can't really play with his feet for a goalkeeper to kind of stop anything that's hit at him. It's a goalkeeper's first job is to stop stuff that's hit at him. It's not to play out from the back. A lot of clubs can't play out from the back. I don't know why we have this fascination, uh, this hipster, you know, period of, oh, we have to play out from the back. You know what you do? You go buy a, you go buy a very, very good centre half that can play out from the back and give him the ball. And you keep the, one of the best shot stoppers in the world. Because to me, the statistics are damning. He's had 10 shots on goal and he's conceded seven goals. That's insane. I mean, that, that's Sunday league football. If we if we had a concentrated more on getting another strike, and there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't have got Harry Kane and Hoyland in the same transfer window. We made little to no effort to get Harry Kane. Uh, I just honestly believe that because we spent, what, 50, 60 million um, on a, on on a goalkeeper that we didn't need, and we spent forty to fifty million, and I was happy with it at the time, but it doesn't look like it's worked out on Mason Mount. And as Paul said, you know he's still confused about what his position is, and I think Mason Mount was confused about what his position was at Chelsea the past couple of years. So that's over a hundred million we spent on two players. I don't believe we truly need it. So Ten Hag has to take part of the blame for that he really does we should have went out and as soon as we got a whiff that spurs were going to sell harry kane we should have went in and matched Bayern munich's offer and then spurs were going to be caught between a rock and a hard place and i i'll 
go to my. I'll, I'll argue with anyone about this. If Manchester United had to put in a bid for Harry Kane, Harry Kane would be playing against Bayern Munich in a Manchester United shirt on Wednesday and not the other way around. I would, I would guarantee that. Harry Kane didn't want to go to Germany. My honest opinion, I believe he wanted to come to Manchester United and we sat on our hands. So Ten Hag has to take responsibility for the fact that he's bringing on Martial. And, and one last thing before we go is that I read, I read an article by Andy Cole there which it actually blew me away. And, and Cole said that in eight years, Martial hasn't scored more than 100 goals. How is that possible for a striker at Manchester United? He hasn't scored more than 100 goals? That's insane, that is. Eight years? It's insane. Yeah. That, that is um, concerning. And so I, th- I guess he's talking about the goalkeeper. It's the way that Tenag wants to play. Yeah, I mean, and so look, the... That's fair. That's definitely fair. fair. And he, he can play better with his feet than De Gea. I think also, you know, teams push high. You know, I do think that maybe sometimes Tenor hasn't sort of helped himself again with the selection that we've had. You know, playing Maguire when he wants to play that lot. You know, just change the system. If you're going to play, you know what I mean? If you want to play from the back and you're playing De Gea and Maguire, we were we were still trying to play from the back with those players, do you know what I mean? Just just play it long from the goal kicks, you know. And I said we should still do that anyway. I don't see why we don't. There's no strength in building up from the back because we're not strong enough in field on position possession to carry the ball forward. The forwards on glue in the way that Mark Hughes was that they, they can't he can't hit a ball up to them. Well, maybe Hoyland might be able to show that he can. And to be fair, there were a couple of moments on, on Sunday that. On Saturday, they look like it is, but generally, it sounds silly to say it, and, and maybe I'm being really critical after a defeat. The players don't, well, the forward players don't seem to have the same quality of ball control that you can afford to bring other players into play. So, the entire way of playing in that fashion doesn't seem to fit most of the players that we've got, which means, and I'm not against the style, it just means that we're going to need a Incredible turnover of players together, which I think we were probably looking at anyway. Um, just on really on Martial, Paul, but I mean, you mentioned it before we came on air. Um, about you know, some of I, I think I mentioned the point about right at the start of last season, we were praising almost every decision that Tenag was making that his changes from the side. <coughs> were positively contributing to games. They were they were changing our results. And, or even the, when we were losing games, the changes that he were making were improving the situation in the game. And um, he doesn't seem to be that way at the moment. Do you do you think that... that, that do we be critical of Ten Hag's or do we look at the, the squad situation, the injuries that we've got and say, you know, the, the obvious discipline issues and say, it's hands are tied a little bit, so there's obviously going to be this massive drop off. Like, obviously, the quality from the start isn't going to be the same, and when you make the changes, quality is going to drop off even more. Or do you think that after a year, we should be expecting better in game management from him? I think it's it's more of what he's got, what he's working with. I just think his hands are tied. I'm I am disappointed that he still keeps going to Martial because. You know, he is flogging the dead horse there. It's just, it's just, a, it is a complete waste of time. There's nothing there about him, nothing in the face that suggests that you're going to get anything from him. It's just mundane to him. Oh, here I go again. He's just got to now really 
he's got to give the young players a try. He's got to go with the young players. Saw the young boy come on, goes and scores a great goal. Brave enough to take the shot on at that given time. To take to take that on, it could have gone wrong for him. But he did and he took it on. Doesn't surprise me because I've seen him play a few games when he was at Birmingham. He's very, very, very confident confident in himself, his belief in his, you know, his own game. So I I think that's the way I think that's the way he's got to go now. Don't don't rely on the ones who have been there look you know, been there too long. They've had too much time there because you can't trust them. Because what you get today, you might not get tomorrow. So that's the only way he can go to step forward. How long he wants to do that for, I don't know. Could January be another time again when <clears throat> United go out and go and spend again when it should have been done in you know May things should have been organised in May things should have been been done by the end of May June ready for July for a pre-season so that's what it you know that's that's where I look at it I, I really don't want to blame him at all I, I do question it I said it before question some of the decisions he made at the back end of the season regarding substitutions they seemed odd I was hoping that he was just testing things out but he's still doing the same thing so if he was testing, he knows the answers, Wayne. So it could be deja vu. We could be sitting here next week going through the same thing again. I don't know what changes he can make. Um, you look at it, can you blame the defence? Does that mean then that he's got to bring back Harry Maguire? Um, if he brings back Harry Maguire, does that mean then that his mum will send out a message on social media saying that, that they needed my Harry, so he's back now? We don't know what we're going to get from that. So um, I really don't. I really don't know what he can do, <clears throat> what he's got to work with. He has, he hasn't got a lot that he can trust there. The only players I suppose he presumes he can trust are the ones that he's brought in. They're the ones you know, because shown favour to them, and hopefully they're still with him. But the others around him, I mean, you, I think Dallo, Dallo might come out as the best player at the weekend. There was something about Dallo and maybe his performance. You know, Wan Pasaka has changed. Wan Pasaka, Wan Pasaka has improved under him. Um, I'm trying to think what else positive I can say that's co- coming out of it, really. And there's not a lot at the moment. So, you know, every game we look at now, Manchester United, it's it's a worry. There's no, there's not, there's not a guarantee for them at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, I'm looking now. I haven't even looked at the fixtures. They haven't got Luton soon, have they? No, but yeah. no, it's funny. I'm pretty sure Luton are hoping they do. <laughs> well, we've got the point is you know, we previewed last week. I'm not sure any of us are as confident as we were last Monday, but the game we've got very quickly we'll, uh, to wrap up. Uh, we've got Burnley at the weekend. Um, three defeats from three so far in the Premier League. They play Forest tonight um, at the City Ground. The sort of opponent we should be looking to rebuild our confidence, Dave. But Burnley play good football, <laughs> then um, United are not playing good football. It is the kind of game you would want United because the thing about Burnley, apart from playing good football, is they don't seem as physically resolute um, as as past Burnley sides. So I mean, that's then again, how United United really need a reaction in the league, and they'll be looking at this as, uh, like you said, Lewin would be looking at it thinking this is a scalp. He's going to get turf more up for it. Um, not as straightforward as saying United are going to win. No, I'm Sorry, Wayne. Sorry, Dave. I'm just going to say is that 
go, before you, you know, we've got to talk about the game, not talk about it, just mention that after the performance at the weekend and then going into an incredibly big game against Bayern Munich is worst preparation ever. And then what kind of performance and result comes out of it? Then, then going to Burnley and the kickoff time as well makes a difference mentally. And Burnley, it's their big game of the season. It's their massive game for them. And when Burnley come into the Premier League, their first game was against Manchester United, which they won 1-0 at Turf Moor, didn't they? Paul, that's all yeah. Um, I mean, that's all, it's, all just, it's all just coming to me head. Just coming to me head. Um, Michael Carrick missed a penalty in that game, I remember. Mm. So I, I, I mean, with this stats as well, you can't stop me, Paul. You're trying. <laughs> um, you tried there. Um, go on, yeah, Dave, oh, have you, 1-0 Burnley then. Paul's, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that Paul reminded you, Wayne, um, about that result, and then you just jumped on the back end of it. You know, you're, you're the Jonathan Greening in the Champions League final, where you jump on the back and get your medal, and you didn't actually do anything. So thanks, Paul. I appreciate. We're going to have to switch the screens around for next week now. Um, so Paul, you're going to have to be on my left. So, uh, Wayne, mm. thanks for joining. There we go. There we go. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll help you through this show. Um, but now Burnley away, I mean, it's an away game. Oh, my God. You know, there was there was times when we were like, you know, tricky away game, especially a place like Torquemore, uh, where, where the crowd are going to be like, there's places like that, there's like Brentford, there's Palace away, there's, there's grounds where you just know the crowd's going to be up for it. And these guys are going to be up for it. And as Paul said, it, it is their game of the season. And that's no disrespect, but Manchester United are rolling into town. We all know teams, even the bigger teams, step it up at home against Manchester United. Um, they don't have to step it up much at Old Trafford these days, but at home, they really do step it up. And I'm concerned, especially with our away form, I'm really concerned. Um, and, and also on the back of down to Munich, I just... In the past, we would think, you know, when, when we're really in the mire, you know, Manchester United rise, they really do. But we're coming up against Bayern Munich at home. Harry Kane, you know, I'm sure he's he's going to want to prove a point that, you know, moving to Bayern was the right decision. He scored again the weekend. Um, uh, you know, Bayern aren't, aren't as good as they were in previous years, but going there is going to be difficult. And then having to go to Burnley, oh, God, I'm, I'm concerned about Burnley. I really am. Like I said, it's going to be a red-hot atmosphere. It, you know, they're not pulling up any trees at all. So for them to get three points, a good kickstart the season, I'm sure that's what their manager is going to drill into them. You know, we get three points, we get momentum. Um, it, and it doesn't, you know, even though Manchester United are having a harder season, beating Manchester United is still the pinnacle for probably 99% of, of teams in the Premier League. It really is. So, yes, I am concerned. Um, yeah. Brighton, Bayern. Burnley, and then the two teams that you mentioned, Palace and Brentford, are the two home games that we've got after that. So um, they'll come. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, God, I mean, three defeats from five league games is deeply concerning. I mean, put out over a league season, it's that's not. Nineteen eighty nine, I think, was the last time. Is that right, Paul? I think you and I would probably know that. Wayne doesn't. <laughs> Anyway, hopefully we're not talking about four in, in six this time next week. Then it will definitely be a crisis time. We're tiering crisis category as it is. Um, but hopefully it will be looking a little bit better next week. Um, 
Either way, we'll be back to pick the bones out of it. If you've enjoyed the pod, um, give us a subscribe on, on YouTube. And if you've enjoyed it on the audio podcast, um, please give us a, a review and subscription on, on the platform you're listening on if, if you haven't already. Really appreciate you uh, tuning in today, guys. It's a difficult um, topic for us to get stuck into. Never enjoyable to see now defeated, um, especially in the way that we were. But we will be back next week to talk about probably two more defeats um, in the joyous way um, we have done this morning. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.